So I tipped you off in prayer as to where we're headed, but um, a question for you uh, as we are (laughs) diving into Scripture today. Have you ever noticed how impatient life is? You know know what I mean by that? Like, just just think about, like, if you're sitting on a stoplight, and uh, I know none of you use your phone in the car because you're spiritual and holy, and you would never do that. Uh, neither would I, of course. And, uh, you know, you like somebody's like on their phone or something and the, the light turns green. And if they don't move within a nanosecond, what happens? <laughs> you know, like 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 that second was going to change everybody's life. Right. Like that that's the culture we find ourselves in. And the, the thing is, is like when you're driving, that's just a symptom of a deeper problem, isn't it? You start to look around the world at these bigger issues like Parkland and these bigger issues like the refugee crisis and the abortion crisis. And, and you, just, you start to look at the world and what lies underneath of all that is a horrific selfishness. And, and if you and I are honest, okay, that's we look out at our culture, but what, what happens when we look inside our world at the kingdom of God? Are we doing much better? We want our services to be shorter and our statements to be pithier and our, you know, you fill in the blank. Well, we, we trend towards making things easier and self-serving, don't we? And our, and our, our culture looks around at what's happening, and searches for answers. And they look in all the wrong places. If you just, I don't know if you've been paying attention to the conversation about gun control and all that, and and I am not going to make a suggestion, so don't expect that from me. But what I am going to do is make an observation that people on both sides, people on both sides of the debate, are horribly selfish. Horribly selfish. And when when we look at this text that we're in today in Colossians chapter 4, God's going to ask you and I as people of the kingdom, as people of God, to stop looking outside the walls of the church for people to shape up and act like the church, he's going to ask us on the inside of the walls of the church to walk outside the walls of the church and act like the church. Are you tracking with me? Because you just say amen. I was expecting a big amen for that. (laughs) Oh, you don't like the change. I'm sorry. Because listen to what Paul says here in Colossians chapter 4, starting in verse 2. We're just going to read a couple of verses today through verse six. Devote yourselves to prayer. I'm in the NIV. Sorry. Uh, that's the wrong verse. We put the wrong one in for you. Sorry. You can just get rid of it. They can listen. Sorry. Right. They got their phones. Listen to this. Devote yourselves to prayer. 
we could stop there and just have a, a time of repentance and pray for the rest of the time, couldn't we? I mean, for real. Like, I'm, that's not a suggestion. I don't, I'm, maybe, maybe, maybe you're more, you probably are more spiritual than I am. But think, think about that. Think about what that means. The, the word devote in Greek means to be courageously persistent. Most of us know that being devoted to something means that we be persistent. We're good at that. But in Greek, it means to be courageously persistent. What does that do to the things that you are persistent in? It changes what things you're going to be persistent in. Because if you're persistent in uh, the wrong things, you don't have to be create, courageous. If you're persistent in self-seeking, you don't have to be courageous. You've got to be selfish. That's a really important qualifier because what, does it, what would it look like for your prayer life to be courageously persistent? Not just persistent, courageously persistent. And then he, and then he gives us some, some important qualifiers. He says, devote yourselves to prayer. Being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message. So that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Most of us have heard those verses and love those verses and feel convicted by those verses. And we should. And we should. But what I want to show you this morning is that the next set of verses that I'm going to read, you've also heard of and you've also loved and you should. But what happens to a lot of us is we pick these verses out of their context and we we just use them to encourage each other or we use them to uh, convict each other and and all of those things that that we do when we take a Bible verse out of context. But what's really important is that this concept get connected with the next one. You following that that these two things were written together for a reason, because look at what happens here. Verse four. Pray that I would proclaim it clearly as I should. And then listen to this. This is the verse that you've heard too. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Not just make the most of every opportunity. Right? We throw that one out there sometimes. You know, when we want to get something done. That's not what it, that's not what it says. It says be wise in your dealings with outsiders. People who don't know Jesus. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. That is all in the same instruction. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, praying that the gospel would go forward, that open doors would be there for the gospel. Where? In the culture that you live in. You see, because it's the kingdom and the culture. You're, you're a citizen of the kingdom living in a different culture. And, and when, you, when you as a kingdom citizen start living in the culture without praying for the kingdom, you, you begin to get misplaced priorities. Your, persp- your perspective changes and starts to go for the wrong things. You start to think that money's going to satisfy you. You start to think that 
uh, your kids' achievements are going to satisfy you. You start to think that, and you fill in the blank for you. You know you better than anybody else. Because all of us do it. We start to live just in the culture and we forget about the kingdom. But then we do the reverse, too. We come to church and we start to think only about the kingdom and we stop thinking about the culture. And if we do think about the culture, we are pointing fingers at the culture. When the plan that Paul lays out here under inspiration of the Holy Spirit is not that you would point fingers at the culture, but that you would go into the culture, that you would make the most of every opportunity, that you would own every moment that God gives you with somebody who doesn't know him and needs him. That's a huge difference. Because when Jesus was praying in the garden and teaching us how to pray, he said that you ought to pray that God's kingdom would come on earth just as it is in heaven. And then he told us in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 that the reason he's leaving us here was to be his witnesses and that he was going to give us his power. So when you start to look at this, that, that I would be courageously persistent in my prayers for what? Not a nicer house, not a better job, not any of that stuff. What does he say? He says, devote yourselves to prayer. Be courageous and persistent so that the doors of the gospel would be open for you to influence your culture. To make the most of every opportunity. Think about what that doesn't mean. Being devoted to prayer on those things doesn't mean that you're perfect. Doesn't mean that you have um, all the theological answers. What does it say in verse 6? Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Well, that sounds like I need to know all the right answers. That's not what that means. What that means is as you go into your world... Even if you don't, you may not have a theological answer for every question they have, but you have an answer, as Peter says, for the hope that lives within you. Because it's making the most of every opportunity. Think about it this way. You have to have courage and consistency. Courage and consistency in your prayer life. And when that begins to happen, the Bible says you will be able to make the most of every opportunity so that you may know how to answer everyone. See, a lot of times we, we want to jump to having every answer when there was a huge important step before that. Because we live in a culture that is constant. We live in a culture that is microwave. We want our mac and cheese now. Three minutes, good grief. This used to take 30 seconds when I was a kid. You know, but no, it didn't. We want our fast food now. We want our coffee now. If I go through the drive-thru, I want it now. And that infects the way we think. But what does the Bible say about being able to answer everyone? About being able to make the most of every opportunity? Devote yourselves to prayer. Why does he use the word devote? Why use courageously persistent in prayer? How are you doing? How are you doing? How often 
Are you owning the moment with those outside of the faith? That now you know why it says to be courageously persistent in prayer. Because if you're anything like me, the number of people that I meet that don't know Jesus doesn't match the opportunities that I have seized. Just being honest with you. Making the most of every opportunity isn't just about you pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and making the most of every opportunity. Because that's taking that out of context, isn't it? It's being courageously persistent in prayer. And then being watchful. And what, is this, what else does it say? How interesting is this that this word pops up in this text, right? What's the next verse say? Being watchful and thankful. Now, why is that there? <laughs> why is that there? This is why I started the talk this morning talking about selfishness. Because what is the fastest deterrent to you devoting yourself to prayer and making the most of every opportunity with those who don't know Christ? What, what's the fastest way to get you off track? Talk to me. This, this, is, this is small group today. Not literally, but we're acting like it's a small group today. All right? Talk to me. What's the fastest way to get you off track? Your phone, TV. Got it. Selfishness. Right? Just, just. Right. 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 So what, what's the common thread in all of that? How I feel. Right? Listen, I, I get it. That, this doesn't feel good. Okay? Like this isn't the rah-rah Sunday morning. When you look at symptoms of your own life but it it will be as we repent from that and devote ourselves to prayer it's that important because what, what does it mean to be watchful as i'm devoting myself in prayer what does it mean to be watchful it means to be to have eyes open staying alert i love that concept eyes open Staying alert. Say it with me. Eyes open, staying alert. That feels good, doesn't it? What does that do? It takes my eyes off myself and helps them stay alert to the people around me. Jesus told his disciples, you, you remember the story if you have been in church at all, where uh, Jesus comes and says to his disciples, says to you and I, listen, the harvest is plentiful. The problem is not that there's not people out there that I'm going to draw to myself. So that's my job. There's plenty of people. We want to fill this church up with people that need Jesus. People that met Jesus. Well, how do you do that? Well, Jesus says they're plentiful. You go around the city, there, there, are, there are tons of people that need Jesus. What's the problem then? We don't have enough Christians walking around with eyes open, staying alert. We don't have, we don't have enough Christians walking around courageously persistent in prayer. God, show me, show me somebody. God, show me somebody. Help me to be courageous. Help me to be bold. Bring somebody on my path right now. Because you, you know why we don't do that? <laughs> Can I talk to you just real? You know why we don't do that? Because he will. And that scares, I was going to say, 
Well, some of you might think that was a bad word, so I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I was going to say scares the, you know, not the really bad one, but the medium bad one. <laughs> right? Can, can, can we just be honest with each other as a church family, as your pastor, that, that a lot of times we don't, we don't get courageously persistent in that prayer because we know God's going to answer it. It's like we don't pray for patience because we know he's going to answer it. He's going to make us be patient. We don't pray a lot of times for God to make us holy because we know that that involves pain in becoming holy. We don't challenge our friends because iron sharpening iron involves friction. What would it look like if you, walking down the halls of your work, were saying, bring somebody in my path, open a door, open a door, open a door. You, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change. You don't think your work's exciting? Start walking around praying that. Work will become a lot more exciting, won't it? God, open a door. Help me to be courageous. Help me to be persistent. And then pray for those around you. Some of you work together. As you walk around asking God to open a door, maybe you ask, ask God to open a door for your coworker that you know is a Christian and is struggling with the same thing that you are. Boy, wouldn't that change the way things are? Eyes open, staying alert. You know, you know what else that means? It means to, in, to live your life intentionally. To own every moment is what it's saying. Make the most of every opportunity. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Making the most of every opportunity. Living intentionally. And then being thankful. You know, you know what the old saying? An attitude of gratitude. <laughs> it just changes your perspective, doesn't it? If I'm constantly being thankful, if I'm being courageously persistent in my thankfulness for the job that I have, which has afforded me the opportunity to be in the presence of people who need Jesus, instead of, I hate this job, I don't like this work, this is boring, that's like <laughs> Malachi, every time we give him a chore, he's like, oh, it's so boring. <laughs> you know, like that's kind of how we feel sometimes, right? When we're, when we're down on the circumstances of life, but changing what you are devoted to will change how you feel in the moment, won't it? Because if your job's not just about your job, but if your job is an opportunity, an open door for the gospel to go out, well, that makes work a whole lot more exciting. An attitude of gratitude, changing your perspective for that open door for the gospel to go out that be proclaimed clearly. But let's talk about this being wise in culture. Right? Because as, as you, Paul says, as you become devoted in prayer, being watchful and thankful, as you become courageously persistent, walking around town, hanging out on Friday night, going to work, and you're on your eyes open, staying alert, ready for the gospel to go. As you start to do that, and God starts to open that door, He begins to show you people that need Him and who He's drawing to Himself. He makes a really important statement. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Maybe we should... Alright, can, can I step on your toes for a second? I'm stepping on mine all day. Okay? 
all week reading this, stepping on my own toes. Maybe we should have less opinions about policies and more commitment to the kingdom of God. Can I just encourage you as your pastor that regardless of what laws get passed, Jesus is coming back and he's sitting on the throne right now. I'm not saying you shouldn't. We have an incredible opportunity to live in the United States of America. My grandfather was a Purple Heart in World War II. And to this day, when the national anthem gets played, I get welled up inside, tears in the eyes, because I know the sacrifices that have been made. We have people sitting here right now that make those sacrifices. Literally, right now in the room. So don't hear the wrong thing. I vote. I'll continue voting. My kids are going to vote. My family, like, we're, we're into that. I travel ac- across the world. I've been fortunate to do that. And I'm reminded every time how blessed this country is. But what does Scripture say? To who much is given, much is required. So, what we have to take the blessing of what we've been given and use it to bring the kingdom of God on earth in the United States of America as it is in heaven. And that's going to require your allegiance to be in Christ's kingdom, not in man's kingdom. There's a, there's a prioritization of life. And when you're a child of God, you're a citizen of a different kingdom. And so... Wherever you fall politically, on either side of the aisle, we are God's children first. That changes the way we act because Paul says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Why do I bring that up? Because if your political bend is on this side or your political bend is on this side and God br- and you're walking around courageously persistent, God, open the door. God, open the door. I'm gonna let, I want to share the gospel today. Open the door. And then the person of the opposite persuasion politically walks through the door and starts a conversation with you. How are you going to handle it? If the, if the conversation starts and goes politically and you start to get offended and you start to get upset and you start to get angry, what just happened? You stop being wise in the way you act towards outsiders. And you miss the opportunity to share Christ instead of making the most of the opportunity to share Christ. Tracking with me? Because I don't know about you, but when I when I have those conversations, verse six does not describe the way I feel. Okay, L- listen to me. Let your conversation be occasionally full of grace. Is that what it says? That's not what it says. What does it say? Let your, let your conversation always be full of grace. If I'm angry at everybody that comes across my path, I'm not always full of grace. And then he says, seasoned with salt. Well, that's kind of weird, right? In our culture, it is weird. We have refrigerators. <laughs> they used salt a lot more than we did. Salt did a couple things for them. Being seasoned with salt would prevent corruption. 
It was a preservative. Are the conversations you're having in the world preserving people? Preventing corruption? Wow, that would be walking around courageously persistent. Show me, show me God. I'm ready. And then you just, what, why is this one important? Why does it say prevent corruption? Why, why is this uh, preservative, this purifying influence of salt mentioned here? Because sometimes people don't get saved like that. Sometimes these conversations you're having are just preserving corruption and preserving corruption and purifying and slowly purifying and slowly purifying. And then someday, God will draw them to himself. See how all this fits in together? Like, devote yourselves to prayer. We, we at church, we, we get on board with that. Yeah, I need to pray more. But what are you praying for? What are you being courageously persistent in prayer for? Man, I hope, that, I hope that convicts you as much as it did me this week. I got, I got annoyed and grumpy with a whole lot of stuff this week. And not a single bit of it mattered. When I stand before God, He's not going to ask me any of those things. At all. But He is going to Asked me to give an account of every idle word that came out of my mouth. Was it seasoned with salt? Was it full of grace? Speech that is gracious, spiritual, loving, purposeful, true. Man. So, let's just bring that full circle. When you're at work, or as you know, Jake mentioned, Easter's coming. Like, what? what is the goal of Easter. That we would worship Jesus, the risen King, but that we would do what He put us and left us here on earth to do. Filling up an Easter service has nothing to do with there being a lot of people here. Has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with making the most of every what? What does it say? Opportunity. What do statistics say? That on Easter, it's, it's something ridiculous. Like 80% of people are willing to go to church on Easter. That's not an exact statistic. I've got to look it up. But it's something that it was really high. It's probably like 20%. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's pastor talk. 95%. No, I'm just kidding. But statistics show that people are willing to come with you on Easter. That the people in your circle, as you walk around courageously persistent, asking God to open the door, that's going to be a door. Easter is a door. Christmas Eve was a door. It's not about filling the room. It's about people meeting Jesus. And we have to do that together. We, every one of us, has to be courageously persistent in prayer. Being watchful and thankful. Thank you, God, that I could be part of an incredible church. Thank you, God, that I get to be a part of an incredible family. Thank you, God, that I be a part of an incredible company. 
You've opened all these doors for me to share the gospel. Unbelievable. What a perspective shift. If Monday looked like that, man, we're gonna have a, we're gonna have a better week. We're gonna have a better week. It's a mission field. It's not a problem. It's a perspective. So I want to do something just fun with you. Band's not gonna come up. We're just gonna take a minute to pray. It's gonna make some of you wildly uncomfortable, including my wife. But what does the Bible say? It says to be still and know that I am God. If you know that he is God and you begin to devote yourselves to prayer, being courageously persistent, watchful, thankful, man, we can change this world. We can change the world. We may not be able to, we may not be able to change the whole world, but we can change this world. You can change a world.